the Tigger Tendency. It seems appropriate to begin this chapter with the Chinese story of the foolhardy Tigger. Tiger. <laughs> a large tiger was swaggering through the forest. Above his head, a small bird danced from a branch from branch to branch, singing. The tiger stopped and watched him. Then he called out, What do you have to dance and sing about, you puny being? I'm a thousand times larger than you. I can crush you in one paw without even trying. Can you do this, replied the bird, hopping lightly from one branch to another. Of course I can, roared the tiger. Anything you can do, I can do better. He leaped onto the trunk, climbed high into the tree, then jumped out onto a branch. With a loud crack, it broke beneath his weight. So did the branches below it, all the way down. Ever so slowly, the bruised, rumpled tiger rose to his feet and staggered away. Limping out of the woods, the tiger came to the edge of the field. There he saw a small furry animal with weak eyes and funny-looking feet. At least, that's how they seemed to the tiger, who roared with laughter, forgetting his pain. What are you laughing at? asked the mole, looking up at him. What odd little feet, laughed the tiger, and such weak little eyes. I can see what I need to see, replied the mole, and I can go where I need to go. Ho, 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 laughed the tiger. I can do both of those things much better than you. All right, said the mole. Let's see you get past all those workers out there in the field. He disappeared down a hole and shortly popped up from another hole beyond the farthest field hand. Here I come whomped the tiger as he bounded into the field. How the workers shouted with what heavy tools they swung, what large rocks they threw. The scared, battered tiger stumbled back the way he had come, barely escaping with his life. After a while, he came to a swamp, and there he noticed a tiny, slow-moving creature with a curly shell on his back. What a useless little thing, exclaimed the tiger. No legs at all. What do I need legs for, asked the snail. There are many places legs cannot go. Where, asked the incredulous tiger. Across the swamp, for example, replied the snail. Nonsense, thundered the tiger. I can cross it in an instant by jumping from log to log. And without a moment's hesitation, he leaped for the nearest log. Unfortunately, he was too heavy for that short, that sort of thing and fell short. The snail slid slowly across on the grasses of the swamp, leaving the struggling tiger far behind. Talking is one thing, he remarked to himself. Doing is another. In this chapter, we look at Eeyore's opposite, an animal who believes in everything. 
and believes that everything is something he can do. All things are possible to a Tigger, at least until he tries them. How did you get there, Rue? asked Piglet. On Tigger's back, and Tiggers can't climb downwards because their tails get in the way, only upwards. And Tigger forgot about that when we started, and he's only just remembered, so we've got to stay here forever and ever, unless we go higher. What, what did you say, Tigger? Oh, Tigger says, if we go higher, we shan't be able to see Piglet's house so well, so we're going to stop here. As anyone who's been around knows, Tiggers are first-rate at starting things, but are not very good at completing them. Life is always greener elsewhere to a Tigger once he started something, and endless possibilities constantly beckon, especially when he gets himself into difficult situations, which is one thing Tiggers do quite easily. Tigger was holding on to the branch and saying to himself, Jumping down's all very well for jumping animals like Kangas, but it's quite different for swimming animals like Tigger's. And he thought of himself floating on his back down a river or striking out from one island to another, and he felt that that was really the life for a Tigger. Come along, called Christopher Robin. You'll be all right. Just wait a moment, said Tigger nervously. Come on, it's easy, squeaked Rue, and suddenly Tigger found how easy it was. Ow, he shouted as the tree flew past him. There's nothing wrong with being an enthusiast. If it were not for enthusiasts, there would be no major advances in life and very little excitement. But enthusiasts are more than tiggers. They soon become well enough acquainted with whatever they're enthusiastic about to know when not to put their foot in it. Tigger is an over-enthusiast, and what he accomplishes is anybody's guess. In the house at Pooh Corner, Piglet described Tigger as a very bouncy animal with a way of saying, how do you do, which always left your ears full of sand, even after Kanga had said, gently, Tigger dear, and had helped you up again. Rabbit described him as the sort of Tigger who was always in front when you were showing him the way anywhere and was generally out of sight when at last you came to the place and said proudly, here we are. Alexander Pope described him quite nicely when he wrote, some people never learn anything because they understand everything too quickly. A psychiatrist might describe him as an impulsive, an impulse-driven personality. We would describe him as an animal with a whim of iron and the inner discipline of mush. While the teachings of the West tend to encourage Tigger's sort of behavior, the teachings of the East contain many cautions against it. In the 
Tao De Ching, for example, we find high winds do not blow all morning. Heavy rain does not fall all day. Are not these made by heaven and earth? If the power of heaven and earth cannot make violent activity last, how can you? Standing on tiptoe, one is uneasy. Taking long steps, one quickly tires. Showing off, one shows unenlightenment. Displaying self-righteousness, one reveals vanity. Praising the self, one earns no respect. Exaggerating achievements, one cannot long endure. Followers of the way, consider these. Extra food, unnecessary baggage, they bring no happiness. Therefore, followers of the way avoid them. Do not conquer the world with force, for force only causes resistance. Thorns spring up when an army passes. Years of misery follow a great victory. Do only what needs to be done without using violence. It is not wise to dash about. Shortening the breath causes stress. Use too much energy and you will soon be exhausted. This is not the natural way. Whatever works against Tao will not last long. Going out, are you, Tigger? Yes, he replied. Rue and I are going on a picnic. I'm bringing the sandwiches. Oh, what's in that one? Peanut butter, onions, mustard, and cheese. Oh, I, er, is anything the matter, asked Tigger? You've gone green. No, it's nothing. Nothing at all. I'll be all right. I hope you're not going far. Why, asked Tigger. Oh, just in case we have to bring Rue back suddenly. What for? Nothing, nothing. Run along and enjoy yourselves while you can. Well, it takes all kinds to make a mess. The West is full of Tiggers, restless seekers of instant gratification, larger-than-life overachievers. The West idolizes them because they're bouncy and exciting, maybe even a bit too exciting. And they're becoming more exciting all the time. It seems that it's no longer adequate to be a true individual or even a hero. Now one needs to be some sort of superman, living an overinflated life punctuated in true Tigger fashion with exclamation marks. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. This is the age of super everything. Superstar, super athlete, super coach, super politician, even super businessman. Faster than a speeding ticket. More powerful than a profit motive. Able to lease tall buildings in a single day. Tiggers are not necessarily what they seem, however. While they may appear to be self-propelled, they are in reality jerked this way and that 
by whatever immediately a appealing object or sensation catches their attention. And while Tiggers may appear energetic to the extreme, their love of ceaseless action and sensation is actually a form of spiritual laziness. Tiggers are not in control of their lives, as is clearly shown by their behavior. Unfortunately, it's quite easy to be an impatient, inconsiderate, scatterbrained Tigger in a society that admires, encourages, and rewards impulsive behavior. Advertisements tell us to buy whatever it is and spoil ourselves. An appropriate word, spoil. We deserve it, they say. Maybe we do, but we'd like to think we're better than that. Store layouts are carefully designed to encourage impulse buying. Movies, television, television shows, and magazines promote impulsive behavior of the most questionable, questionable kind in the most flash-it-in-their-faces manner. Practically everything from hairstyles to lifestyles is endorsed as some sort of drug to be taken, now for instant relief. If you have this model of automobile, this style of clothing, this shape of girlfriend, or this sort of romantic entanglement, you will be happy. You will be loved. You will be somebody. Those who cannot have such things are doomed to frustration. Those who can have them are doomed to the inevitable disappointment. As Oscar Wilde put it, in the world there are only two tragedies. One is not getting what one wants, and the other is getting it. We are reminded of the old Persian curse. May your every desire be immediately fulfilled. In chapter 12 of the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tse described what's wrong with Tigger's sensationalistic approach of, to life. The five colors blind the eye, the five tones deafen the ear, the five flavors deaden the tongue, racing and hunting madden the mind. While America is in many ways becoming Eeyore country, in other ways, it's turning into Tiggerland, a truly schizophrenic situation, one might say. The minds of American children are now so stressed and crippled by Tiggerish wham-bam video games, television shows, and instant left-brain computer activities that many of them are unable to concentrate on anything for more than five minutes, as an ever-growing number of teachers are finding out. Educating such minds is impossible. If something can't be immediately grasped, they won't understand it. And if it can be immediately grasped, they won't understand it either because instant information accumulation is not understanding. Perhaps today's children will be able to find employment years from now anyway. They may be hired as technical laborers by the Chinese, Japanese, and Koreans who will by then just 
own just about everything because their cultures far more than ours encourage children to focus the mind. The major lesson Tiggers need to learn is that if they don't control their impulses, their impulses will control them. No matter how much they do, Tiggers are never satisfied because they don't know the feeling of accomplishment that eventually comes when one persistently applies one's will to the attaining of not immediately reachable goals. The principle of this sort of achievement can be illustrated by the following story by Chung Tse. Kung Fu Tse and his followers were on their way to the state of Chu. As they emerged from forest, from a forest, they came upon a hunchback catching cicadas on the end of a stick as they flew by. How skillful! exclaimed the master, stopping to watch. Sir, what's your method? At first the man answered, I practice balancing pellets on the stick. After five or six months, I could handle two until they never fell down. Then I failed with only a few of the insects. I went on to three pellets. After that, I missed only one cicada in ten. By the time I could man manipulate five pellets, I was catching cicadas without effort. When I focus my attention, my body becomes more than a stump, and my arm the branch of a tree. Heaven and earth are great, and the ten thousand things multiply around me, but I pay no attention to them only to the wings of the cicadas. My mind does not waver. My body maintains its balance. Such an attitude, with such an attitude, how can I fail? Kung Fu Tse turned and said to his disciples, Remember the saying of old, When one's will is not distracted, one's power is increased. How well! has this gentleman demonstrated the truth of that today. Something else that Tiggers need to learn is found in the Japanese story of the samurai and the Zen master. A certain samurai had a reputation for impatient and hot-tempered behavior. A Zen master, well known for his excellent cooking, decided that the warrior needed to be taught a lesson before he became more dangerous. He invited the samurai to dinner. The samurai arrived at the appointed time. The Zen master told him to make himself comfortable while he finished preparing the food. A long time passed. The samurai waited impatiently. After a while, he called out, Zen master, have you forgotten me? The Zen master came out of the kitchen. I'm very sorry, he said. Dinner is taking longer to prepare than I had thought. He went back to the kitchen. A long time passed. The samurai sat, growing hungrier by the minute. At last he called out a little softer this time. Zen master, please, when will dinner be served? The Zen master came out of the kitchen. I'm sorry, there's been a further delay. It won't be much longer. He went back 
to the kitchen. A long time passed. Finally, the samurai couldn't endure the wait any longer. He rose to his feet, chagrined and ravenously hungry. Just then, the Zen master entered the room with a tray of food. First, he served miso shiru, soybean soup. The samurai gratefully drank the soup, enchanted by its flavor. Oh, Zen master, he exclaimed. This is truly the finest miso shiru I have ever tasted. You truly deserve your reputation as an expert cook. It's nothing, replied the Zen master modestly. Only misu. The samurai set down his empty bowl. Truly magical soup. What spices did you use to bring out the flavor? Nothing special, the Zen master replied. No, no, I insist. The soup is extraordinarily delicious. Well, there is one thing. I knew it, exclaimed the samurai, eagerly leaning forward. There had to be something to make it taste so good. Tell me, what is it? The Zen master softly spoke. It took time, he said. Tell me, Kanga, how's it been at your house since Ticker's been staying there? Oh, it's been... Interesting. How do you mean? Well, just yesterday morning, he knocked down the postman. Disgusting, said Owl, who had flown over to listen. Absolutely disgusting. Why did he knock down the postman? He thought he was taking something. Oh, disgusting. You see, the postman carries a large sack. Yes, yes, I hope Tigger apologized. He did, after I explained the situation. That's good. The postman was certainly decent about it. Oh, what did he say? He said he'd been knocked down many times by dogs, but never before by a cat. The final problem we might mention about the ticker tendency is that the worthwhile and important things in life, wisdom and happiness in particular, are simply not the sorts of things one can chase after and grab. They are instead the sort of things that come to us where we are, if we let them. If we, try, if we stop trying too hard and just let things happen as they need to. Tigger found this out, of, out in spite of himself when he discovered what Tigger's like best in the second chapter of The House at Pooh Corner. Tigger had just come to the forest and needed breakfast, so Pooh offered him some honey, being sure to ask, of course, if Tiggers like honey. They like everything, Tigger cheerfully assured him. But it didn't take Tigger long to realize that. Tiggers don't like honey. Oh, said Pooh, and tried to make it sound sad and regretful. I thought they liked everything. Everything except honey, said Tigger. Pooh felt rather pleased about this and said that as soon as he finished his own breakfast, he would take Tigger round to Piglet's house, and Tigger could try some of Tiglet's haycorns. Thank you, Pooh, said Tigger, because 
Acorns is really what Tiggers like best. So they went to, to see T Piglet. Hello, Piglet, said, this is Tigger. Oh, is it, said Piglet, as he edged around to the other side of the table. I thought Tiggers were smaller than that. Not the big ones, said Tigger. They like haycorns, said Pooh, so that's what we've come for, because poor Tigger hasn't had any breakfast yet. Piglet pushed the bowl of haycorns towards Tigger and said, help yourself. And then he got close up to Pooh and felt much braver and said, so you're Tigger, well, well, in a careless sort of voice. But Tigger said nothing because he... Piglet pushed the bowl of acorns towards Tigger and said, help yourself. And then he got close up to Pooh and felt much braver and said, so you're Tigger, well, well, in a careless sort of voice. But Tigger said nothing because his mouth was full of acorns. After a long munching noise, he said, ear, ear. And when Pooh and Piglet said, what? He said, Scooby! And he went outside for a moment. And then when he came back, he said firmly, Tiggers don't like haycorns. But you said they like everything except honey, said Pooh. Everything except honey and haycorns, explained Tigger. When he heard this, Pooh said, Oh, I see. And Piglet, who was rather glad that Tiggers didn't like haycorns, said, What about thistles? Thistles, said Tigger. That's what Tiggers like best. So they went to see Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. This is Tigger. What is, said Eeyore. This, explained Pooh and Piglet together. And Tigger smiled, his happiest smile, and said nothing. Eeyore walked all around Tigger one way, and then turned and walked all around him the other way. What did you say it was, he asked. Tigger. Ah, said Eeyore. He's just come, explained Piglet. Ah, said Eeyore again, and thought for a long time, and then said, when is he going? Almost immediately, as it turned out. What's the matter, asked Pooh. Hot, mumbled Tigger. But you said, began Pooh, and you said that Tiggers liked everything except honey and acorns. And thistles, said Tigger, who was now running around in circles with his tongue hanging out. So they went to see Kanga. And when they had explained the situation to her, she kindly told Tigger to look in her cupboard to see what he'd like. But the more Tigger put his nose into this and his paw into that, the more he found out which Tiggers didn't like. And when he had found everything in the cupboard and couldn't eat any of it, he said to Kanga, what happens now? But Kanga and Christopher Robin and Piglet were all standing round Rue, watching him have his extract of malt. And Rue was saying, must I? And Kanga was saying, now, Rue, dear, remember what you promised. What is it? whispered Tigger to Piglet. 
His strengthening medicine, said Piglet. He hates it. So Tigger came closer and leaned over the back of Roo's chair, and suddenly he put out his tongue and took a large gallop. And with a sudden jump of surprise, Kanga said, Oh! and then clutched at the spoon again just as it was disappearing and pulled it safely back out of Tigger's mouth. But the extract of malt had gone. Tigger, dear, said Kanga. He's taken my medicine, he's taken my medicine, he's taken my medicine, sang Roo happily, thinking it was a tremendous joke. Then Tigger looked up at the ceiling and closed his eyes. His tongue went round and round his chops, in case he had left any outside, and a peaceful smile came over his face as he said, So that's what Tigger's like. And so, crash! Tigger helped the man up. That's Piglet's bodyguard you just knocked over. I mean, his former bodyguard. He's gone to sleep, said Tigger. No, I think he's unconscious. That was a little rough, wasn't it? I was in a hurry, explained Tigger. He got in the way. He must have come back for something. That's strange. I thought he'd gone just about everything. He'd gotten just about everything he could. Well, he won't get away this time. You're sorry about hitting his head with this floor, aren't you, Tigger? That's good. Excuse me while I call the police. That story that you were telling us about Winnie the Pooh and the the Chinese tiger kind of reminds me of Chinese New Year a little bit in the sense that I know some people who actually celebrate that New Year. And I remember someone told me the story of the Chinese New Year dance. The dragon sleeps in his cave throughout the cold winter. When the New Year arrives, the sunlight wakes the dragon in its dark cave. The dragon is hungry and wants to eat the sun, so he chases it. But no matter how hard the dragon tries, he can never catch the sun.